being consistent and showing up, you can get so much stronger. And then it affects the rest of your life. It flows over. What is going on? Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 219 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am chatting with favorite Peloton instructor of many, Callie Gullickson. You know, every so often I'll share an Instagram story shortly after recording with an upcoming guest. And I shared the story of Callie and my session. Let me just say, it got a lot of exciting feedback from all of you. So I am aware that this is an episode that many of you hurdlers have been looking forward to for a while. So happy to bring it to the feed today. In our chat, Callie and I talk about what it was like for her to grow up in an athletic family, to say the least. Her father, Bill, was a major league baseball pitcher. Callie herself took to dance from a young age and knew that she was destined to be living in New York City. She gets really open and honest about what that was like for her trying to make it as a dancer here, the challenges that came hand in hand with that, including the pressure to have a certain body type. Callie shares about her journey to finding fitness, going from cross-training to lifting weights and knowing early on that strength training was going to be a gift in her life that would keep on giving. Of course, she also gives us all of the details about landing her job at Peloton, what the audition process was like, the difficult decisions she had to make in order to take the job, and shares what some of her biggest struggles were from the get-go, opening herself up to trying new things, embracing her true self, being authentic, and showing up on the regular, both for herself and, of course, for Peloton's many, many members. Again, amped on this combo. grateful for Callie's time. Happy to make all of you happy. That's part of the goal here. So if you have someone else you want to hear from on the show, a dream guest, I am all ears. Feel free to reach out to Hurdle over on social at Hurdle Podcast. And I am also over at Emily Abadi. Now, if you've been a hurdler for a while, you know that Kelly is not the first Peloton instructor to be on the show. I'm going to link a slew of other excellent episodes featuring some of her teammates, including Jess Sims, Bex Gentry, Cody Rigsby, and a few more in the show notes. And last but not least, a little housekeeping. If you're not yet subscribed to the weekly Hurdle newsletter, what are you waiting for? You can get a lot of the same inspiration, motivation that you love from the show directly in your inbox every Friday. The link to subscribe is also in the show notes. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Callie Gullickson. She is a Peloton instructor. How are you doing today, Cal? I'm doing pretty good. I did have a don't tell anyone. Well, I am saying it now, but just to give you insight of what my morning is like, I went to Dunkin' Donuts and there definitely was a pump of pumpkin in my iced coffee. I know. I know. But it was just one of those days. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, the first one makes me excited too, but I just need to let the listeners know because I'm not entirely positive when this episode is dropping. It will be soon, but today's date on recording is August 17th. So yeah. this is where Callie stands with pumpkin, period. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm a little too excited, but I, I know it's a little premature. So just throwing <laughs> it out there though. That's how, that's how my morning's going. 
I love this for you. You know, I get a little excited the first pumpkin of the year, but then I find that every year as time goes on, I'm like less and less enthusiastic about it. I I mean, I wish I wish I was like that. You know, it's a little (laughs) embarrassing how into it I am. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. You get no shade from me. I also just need to throw this out there. Is this your first podcast? (gasps) It is. It is. Can you believe it? I know. I know. It surprises me because you are such a social media connoisseur and that you're very active over on Instagram and TikTok. So I felt as though I, I'm sure, let's say this, I'm sure the requests have been there. So I am honored that you have decided to give me some of your time so I can bring you into this new space. Of course. I mean, I'm excited. I also feel like, you know, for the past year I've been with Peloton, I just wanted to like truly settle into that. And to be honest, I would get like nervous to be on podcasts. And the other day I was thinking, I was like, uh, when I saw that you were like, you know, you want to be on my podcast? I said, uh, absolutely. <laughs> just because I'm like, that's, it's just my brand to kind of like not have it figured out. Like I kind of just go with the flow. And I'm like, you know what? If I just show up as myself, mm-hmm. there's nothing to be afraid of. So here I am. <laughs> I feel as though a lot of people struggle with that mentality, though. I love that takeaway. If I just show up as myself, then there's nothing to be afraid of. But sometimes showing up as you are and being your authentic self can be a little bit scary. So true. So true. But I mean, I do think that with the help of Peloton and like literally showing up and being like, well, this is me. I've definitely gotten a lot more comfortable in my skin. So I'm so excited to be here to chat all the things. (laughs) I also have to disclaim that last night, in preparation for this conversation, I may or may not have stopped at Trader Joe's. Now, if there is one thing about Callie on the internet, it is that there are articles talking about you and your love for Trader Joe's. How does it feel that that's the thing that comes up when someone Googles your name? (laughs) It makes me so happy. I mean, (laughs) I remember literally in college. I went to school downtown at Pace University and I'd never heard of Trader Joe's before. Um, And then someone showed me the speculose butter and I was just like, what is this hitting my taste buds? Um, And then slowly, you know, I would go to the one in Union Square and it was so packed. Um, And then slowly over the years, I just, you know, as you get older, you're like, okay, I can, I can buy more stuff from my fridge. I can fill it up because you're not going out as much and you're staying in. I'm such a homebody. So Going to Trader Joe's is just the highlight of my week. I can't hide it. So to have, you know, if you research my name on the internet and see Callie Trader Joe's day, my week, my month is made, truly. Have you ever been contacted by Trader Joe's? Oh my gosh, I wish. And it's so funny because people are literally like, I sometimes read, give Callie an endorsement for Trader Joe's. Like I see all these comments and I'm like, Okay, you guys, I love that you're really supporting me in this sort of way. But this is just like, I feel like if I did get an endorsement, which I don't think they do, to be honest, like that's not what I'm striving for. Like I truly love it. And that's why I enjoy making content about it. Because I'm like, people need to know about this. You've got to give us at least three to four on your weekly must-have list. And let's do it time-sensitive for where we are at in the calendar year. So you mentioned pumpkin at the top of this. I'm not going to hate on you if there's something seasonal pumpkin in these four picks from you. Totally. Okay. So here we go. When when I also choose my picks, I always have to visualize myself and like the route I take in Trader Joe's, very important. Okay. So here we go. We're going to walk by the salads. The salads in the bag are the best. I love the Mediterranean one. Boom. Mm. Then you're going to walk around. Let's see. There is the pasta, the cacio and pepe raviolis amazing. Um, Recently, we're going to go around to the dairy section. I've been loving the dairy-free brown sugar creamer. I've been loving it. It's so good. And then freezer section for the fourth thing. I'm going to go with, I love the veggie, or no, I don't think they're veggie. I think just their, their quinoa cowboy burgers. So good. Okay. Wow. Now we have a shopping list. Mm-hmm. I will add all of these <laughs> to my next grocery yeah. haul. That that creamer sounds delicious. Oh, especially if you like froth it a little bit and then you put it in your coffee. So good. Love being an at-home barista. Well, 
so good. And I, I would assume that maybe someone listening to this hears just those four things and wonders, hmm, I wonder what her diet looks like if she's constantly training all of the time. Have you had to modify or tweak that over the years as you've dabbled in different fitness modalities and training in different locations? For sure. I think that my diets have been all over the place. And now I'm at like this stage in my life where I'm like, I just do honestly what feels good. People are like, do you have any restrictions? I have zero whatsoever. I feel like I'm in this like this kind of food of freedom where if I want something, I'm going to eat it. But then I also know that if I, you know, I have sometimes when I teach at like 7.30 a.m., I'm like, okay, I know if I have a lot of sugar right now or something super heavy, I'm going to feel awful in the morning and that's going to not allow me to enjoy my job. <laughs> so it definitely like is revolved around like how my body is going to react to certain foods. But when it comes to diets or, you know, anything that I don't eat, I, I truly eat it all. You're like me. I'm the same way, at least in moderation anyway, right? Like it's not like – I think I sent you last night a photo of my like little ice cream cone. Like it's not like every single day I'm buying the big ice cream cones, but you know I've got a box of the 12 Trader Joe's minis in the freezer ready for whenever I need one. Yes, they're perfect. They are perfect. Good to know. Also, in my perusing of the internet on you, I don't think I even concepted or understood how many like quote unquote lives you've had teaching in fitness. So I want to dial it back and talk about you deciding to come to New York. You mentioned college. Did you always know that you wanted to come here? Truthfully, yes. So I grew up in a family of athletes. My dad was a professional baseball player. And then I am one of six kids. So there's five girls, one boy. And so my dad retired when I was, I think, one. Um, so I literally don't know him as a baseball player, but he definitely instilled everything that he learned and hard work and, you know, prior preparation prevents poor performance, you know, in all of us. So my oldest sister, you know, my parents were very strict on us in that sense. Like after school, we had to go to our sport. You know, we had to do all of those activities, um, train super, super hard. But me, I was like, you know what? I, sports is not my thing. And I loved like being, no, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be a dancer. <laughs> so literally in middle school, I auditioned for this summer camp called School of American Ballet. They accept around 200 kids to go to New York. And basically it's the school that is threaded or um, filtered into New York City Ballet. So basically, sixth grade, I went for sixth or seventh grade. I went for three consecutive summers for about six weeks, and I loved it. Like, I was literally like, bye, mom and dad. See ya. I'm going to New York. Um, and then after that, you know, I was auditioning for colleges, and it was hard because I wanted to, I did so much ballet growing up. Then I also like my, I feel like my personality didn't match ballet. Like I wanted to be like, you know, I loved tap growing up. Fun fact, I also clogged. <laughs> no. Yeah, which was really fun. It basically is like your tap shoes are just like cut in half at the bottom. And I was like an eight-year-old in a class with all adults, just just clogging away, just clogging away. I still remember like my dance to Men in Black. Here come the men in black. Uh, so when it came to auditioning for colleges, you know, when you audition, there's no program that's truly, you know, has tap, hip hop, jazz, and includes ballet and modern. Most of them are just ballet and modern. So I was kind of torn. And I was like, you know what? I was auditioning for all these schools for their ballet and modern program. And I was like, okay, this is great. But also I was like, I want a football team. But then I said, you know what? If I go to school in New York, I don't care if it has a football team. <laughs> so I actually found this school, Pace University downtown. They had a commercial dance program, which is the first dance program like of its kind. And we literally took ballet, jazz, tap, hip hop, um, modern, um, point, ballroom. We also had voice lessons, acting lessons. So it really prepared us for if we wanted to do a company work, which I originally thought I wanted to do when I was younger. But also if you wanted to do Broadway, if you wanted to do like the music video awards, that type of stuff. Um, so I'm very thankful for that program. And so that's basically what brought me to New York. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you thought 
that you wanted to do company work, but what happened that maybe dissuaded you from that? Well, one, I was, I'm so stinking tall. And so like, (laughs) I just knew like, even like, uh, I was so, I feel like I was so good at ballet because I trained so hard in it. But even so, I was like, I would always be in the background. I feel like I would never be a soloist or a principal because no guy was tall enough. And, you know, I know I was pretty good, but also there were other women who were much better. And they, you know, if it came down to being the tallest, I mean, being the best out of the tall people, they would probably, you know, get it over me. And I honestly also like kind of started to, uh, I don't know. I just, I also think that the ballet, it has, you're really, really hard on yourself. Um, so I think I truly started to lose my love for ballet and wanted to, you know, I, I tried to go the rocket route, which I did like the summer camp. And I was like, yeah, I want to be a rocket. And then during the summer camp, I was like, wow, this is so hard. You have to really, really love this in order for me to do this for like four to five consecutive months. And that's when I also knew I was like, okay, maybe the rocket route isn't for me. So whenever people in college were like, so what's your end goal? I honestly didn't know. And that was the moment that I kind of questioned, "Uh, okay, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be dancing if I don't even have like one, if I don't vision myself um, somewhere dancing. Yeah. You mentioned that that being a dancer can come hand in hand with some pretty like maybe restrictive behaviors. Did you ever struggle with any of that? You know, it's funny. Like, so the perfect ballet body was my body when I was younger. Like, you know, very thin, tall, long, lean lines, like they say. And so initially I didn't. But then as I got older, as my body started to change, I definitely did struggle. And so I think even people who have that body type that, you know, is quote unquote, the ballet body type, they still struggle to be even skinnier. And, you know, I look back on photos and I was like, oh my gosh, isn't it? It's, it's nuts how at that time I looked at myself and I was like, I need to be skinnier, which is just so not good for your mental space. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a hard place to get out of, right? How did you get to a place where you understood like this isn't healthy behavior, not necessarily the actions that you were taking, but even just the way that you were talking to yourself? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I think it was one, just getting out of that space. Um, Mm -hmm. And also it's about who you kind of spend your time with. You become like the people that you surround yourself with. And I didn't even know that I was in, you know, that my confidence was so low. I just thought that was a way that, you know, you're supposed that so many other people talk to themselves because that's how the people who I was surrounding myself with talked about themselves. So, you know, Mm. and in ballet, you're always, there's a mirror. In dance, there's always a mirror. And you're literally in this just small little leotard, pink tights that show everything. And not only do you see your yourself in your peripheral vision, but you see everyone else. And it's just such a comparison game. And I hated that. And then, so when I started getting out of school and auditioning, it, I, I think that's when I was like, this is not for me because then you go and you are so hard on yourself and you could have been perfect for the job, but maybe the one spot that was open, they needed someone who was exactly this size to fit the costume. You know, there's so many other factors that went into it. And at that time I wasn't thinking in that sort of way. So I I got really hard on myself and I think I kind of started to flip the switch when I got out of the dance realm, when I started finding a different group of friends, and truly when I started finding fitness. Mm. Was that lonely for you at first when you were making these decisions? I can't imagine that the decisions themselves were easy, especially because you had invested so much time in this thing that you were coming to realize wasn't exactly the thing for you anymore. Oh my gosh, it was, it was it was very lonely, but it also gave me so much time to in a place like New York where I had this huge family and I came alone knowing no one really. And I truly never never settled into learning who I am. I kind of, you know, molded into who I hung around with in college. And so this is actually a moment where I could truly like 
hone in on who I am as a person and learning to say no to things that don't feel good and people who don't want the best for you. So it was very lonely, but also it made me truly appreciate alone time. And I I do thank that time that I kind of transitioned um, because it, it did turn me into the person that I am today, truly. I always think about what it would be like to go to college in the city and then stay in the city. How long have you, I know you live in New Jersey now, but how long were you in New York proper? Oh gosh. Okay. Let's see those four years. Then I want to say seven. And then I lived in Williamsburg for two. So I think when you go to school in New York city, you're kind of like thrown into so many different personalities and so many people who grew up a different way than you. And truthfully, I I do feel like I kind of like lost myself. You know, as a kid, I think that you have like so much confidence in yourself and you're like your own person and like you don't care what other people think. And then all of a sudden you like get away from what you know, away from your family and you start, you know, meeting new people and you do kind of lose lose yourself. But then again, I'm so thankful for those years because it made me it, – it definitely – my college years made me grow up quicker and made me let go of things that were not good for me, which, you know, if I didn't go to college here, I would have still – you know, perhaps moved here and then I would have gone through that whole dilemma again and trying to do the dance route and learning that it wasn't for me and it wasn't making me happy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you for making that decision. And also good on you for perspective that definitely comes with time, right? Like when we go through hard things, it's not out of the normal to like be frustrated and angry and have all of these feelings in the moment. In fact, you should, right? Like you should experience all those feelings. That's part of it. But to then be able to look back on the things that we've been through and these hurdles, so to speak, and then say, oh, okay, now I have the perspective on why this happened for me. That's so important. So important. You said then you started to find fitness. What did finding fitness look like for you, Callie? Yeah. So in college, I did start to cross train. So like every night we would have rehearsals. And then the days that I wouldn't have rehearsals, I would be going to these group fitness classes, which I loved. I was like, oh my gosh, all these people are so wonderful. Like, you know, the the classes that you go to where they turn off the lights and you're in the moment and you're like, you're finding yourself in these like motivational moments. I loved that. And then once, you know, I was auditioning and stuff outside, I, I had a dance agent and it just like wasn't going anywhere. And I was like, well, I do have to make a living somehow. <laughs> so I was also um, taking classes at a group fitness studio and I started working at the front desk there. And I kind of also loved it because I feel like I find when I was younger, I did want to be different than my family, but also it put a lot of pressure on me because they, all of my siblings went to school on scholarships. And then there was me. And from my knowledge, I kind of had to like figure out the way to get into college by myself because my parents were just so used to, oh, recruiting. This is, you know, how all your siblings did it. And like, it didn't really work that way for dance. So basically it made me feel like, you know, I was kind of athletic, like my family. And even though like like dancers are, you know, they say that the athletes of God and they truly are, but you know, I felt like more connected to my family and I, I loved it. And I was like, look, look at me. I can be athletic too. Like I'm doing sprints and stuff. And I do think that the community of fitness is so, so great just like you and I, like that's how we know each other and that you can meet so many wonderful people. And I honestly, I think looking, it made me flip the switch. Whereas I could look at my body in a different way than what I'm used to for dance. For dance, you just have to be a certain body type and move a specific way. And I think for when I found fitness, I was like, I can kind of, I don't have to be so perfect and I can do this in different ways and I can move my body not to look a certain way, but to feel a certain way. Um, So once I made that switch, like I found myself, you know, no longer, I found myself like ditching my auditions for dance stuff to go and take a fitness class. Like that was the one thing that I needed to do. And I, I felt like I was finding myself again. 
finding yourself again. We love that. I, I can't even fathom how liberating that must have felt to not feel as though you need to be in this one type of box anymore. But I can imagine that it also may have come with some some conflicting feelings, right? Because you don't know your body to be any other way. So was that adjustment period different or difficult when you started to, you know, see muscles and maybe get a little bit, quote unquote, bigger than you were previously? Oh my gosh, for sure. I think it's it's normal for any human. Like even still now, I'm, I'm like confident in my skin, but then like I try on something, and I'm like, oh gosh, this doesn't fit anymore. And then all of a sudden you get into like this dark hole and this tunnel that you can't get out of and there's a ceiling and you're like, I'm, help, I'm stuck. But I, I honestly, I, I truly tuned into, I think that, you know, I did find lifting weights and I felt like, again, I was just moving my body in a way that I wasn't used to. Um, and there was always that struggle. I'm not sure like what quite got me out of it. I think it was, I I, I like to think of it as <laughs> like, you know, when you have that like one, you know, your first love and then you break up and you're like, gosh, I, I think about this person every single day. Like, will there ever be a day where I don't think about them? And then time passes and then you go to bed one night and you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that person today. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think that's kind of how my outlook on my body seems. Like it, it seems like such a big ordeal to where like I would be out with friends or in conversations and I would be so in my head about, ooh, if if I order this, I can't do that because I ordered that earlier. And you're you're not even like enjoying life. And I think that also once I got that freedom of not caring what I look like, I felt like my relationships got so much better, um, not only with myself, but with my friends. We all go through moments of not being confident in ourselves. And anything that we have going on with ourselves, we kind of project it on other people. So I feel like any any bit of jealousy that I had, that disappeared. And I just truly found this like, wow, I love the life that I'm living. I'm grateful for the body that I am in. So I, it, it's definitely been a journey. But I think it it is like that scenario, like your first love. Like one day you literally you constantly work on it, and then you just won't think about it, and you'll be like, "Wow, I didn't say anything bad about my body today. I didn't care that I was sitting down and my like pants were super tight, you know, or I looked at a picture and I was, you know, because I feel like when you're not happy with who you are on the inside, and lifting weights made me feel confident, so. There were moments where I looked in the mirror and no matter what I looked like, you'll always see something wrong if you don't feel confident in yourself. And then, so that's why in my classes, I truly am like, lift for a feeling because once you have that good feeling and that confidence, you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to like what you see. But if we focus too much on what we look like, we're never going to be happy. That's so true. And I love this idea of focusing on a feeling and moving based on a, a feeling I feel as of this conversation, and it can't be the first time that you've heard this before because you have such a massive platform, over 200,000 followers just on Instagram alone. I'm sure there are people that say like, well, it's great that you can say things like that, but kind of come back and skinny shame you a little bit. Mm. They're like, well, of course you feel good doing whatever because you look like that. Like, what do you say to that? Oh, it's it's always a struggle because... I think that it's, I look back on when I was, okay, so when I was younger, I was so skinny. I would come home from, and people would, I was called daddy long legs. And like, I was just like, oh my God, people like, I'm so skinny. So I would tell my dad, I said, dad, have a protein shake ready for me when I get done with dance. And I want to eat a full cheesecake from Publix. So like I was trying to gain weight. And then when I got in college, I wanted to be skinnier. So I'm like, there's always, no matter what size you are, you're always going to, the grass is always going to seem greener on the other side, which is why we should not compare ourselves. We should not doubt anyone else's insecurities. Like they're always there. So I think I obviously don't react to those, but I'm like, oh, I wish that we could all just, you know, be there for each other and lift each other up. And we all have our own issues. Um, so I, I try not to let them get to me because, you know, everyone's going through something, but that's just the way it goes. You're you're going to get 
you know, skinny and then you're going to be like, well, I want a booty and I want, <laughs> I want that. But then you get the booty and you're like, oh, but I want abs. And, you know, so it's like, we need to just stop trying to, trying to get abs and trying to get bust and biceps and, you know, just literally do what feels good for you. And then you're going to enjoy the body that you're in. taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor at Inside Tracker. Now, when you do what you love, like running, racing, enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life and Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside you and then offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. It's been so helpful for me. I just did, I think this was my third ultimate panel and especially at the beginning of a marathon training cycle, it is so helpful for me to really home in on the areas where I may be a little bit deficient. Like many women, I am a little low in iron. My ferritin levels are a little low. And so with the data from my inside tracker test, I now am monitoring this and making smart changes within my diet so that I can perform my best and give my body what it really needs. Of course, Inside Tracker has an offer for the Hurdle listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Simply just go over to insidetracker.com, I N S I D E T R A C K E R.com slash hurdle to get this offer today. Again, 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store at insidetracker.com slash hurdle. through your journey in fitness, through a bunch of different studios in New York that you coached at, you've always been on this strength track, the same track that you're on now at Peloton. So when you started lifting weights, was it just like, a this is the feeling I'm sold on. This is the thing that I want to commit to, or have you ebbed and flowed in terms of the different modalities that you really enjoy? Mm. When we first started, I definitely ebbed and flowed. And then when I found strength training, I was like, wow. It also, I think that's what also gave me the confidence because truly I was like, I think it was in high school, like for our dance warmups, we would do push-ups, and I'd be like, yeah, my body, you know, I blame on my body. My body's just not meant to do this. You know, I, it can't do this. And then all of a sudden when people were like, everyone can do this, like, what do you mean? And I started working on my push-ups and I got my push-ups and like that little thing like that, like just being consistent and showing up, you can get so much stronger. And then it affects the rest of your life. It flows over. So I do think that when I found strength training, I mean, I initially started, you know, obviously with like, I, I went through the whole cycling and then I go through running. And then I think it's normal for us to like get bored with things. But I know that now I always come back to my strength training. And even when I was younger, you know, I do have scoliosis and I wasn't strong and I would always get such bad lower back pain. And then when I started lifting weights, I was like, wow, all of those little things went away. And I kind of blamed it on my scoliosis. I blamed it on, you know, my long limbs. And then once I started tra strength training, like all the small little injuries went away. And the other thing I love about strength training is it does, it has such like a technical aspect to it, which is also kind of brings in my dance background because form is so, so important. So it gave me a little bit of that, which I loved, like a little bit of structure that I, I still needed and wanted, but not as structured as ballet and its technique. So yeah. As you know, I'm huge on running. And when I first started running, the thing that I loved was that I could make playlists that had a certain BPM so that I could run specifically on the beat because I too, fun fact, not as nearly as serious as you, but like had a background as a dancer. Yes. Oh, <laughs> shout out to all the runners out there because I am not a runner. 
<laughs> I go through phases where I like really try to and then I don't. But I do think that I, I need to definitely work on my form. And it is so mental. But I do also feel like when I do go on runs, the moments that I decide to, I have I have such these moments of like I have these epiphanies and all these amazing ideas that come through. And so maybe Maybe I should get back into running, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I need some more epiphanies and good ideas. Oh, yes. Something I love about you, Callie, is your bright personality, your optimism. It's like everything that you share, it's really, I mean, you go to your Instagram profile and like everything's yellow. Like it's bright, like your personality. You also, you know, have this tagline, your BFF in fitness. How do you show up on the days where you don't feel so bright and so sunny? Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So when I first got this job, I was in Florida. We actually like in March of 2020, Chris and I went, my husband, we went to Florida for wedding planning stuff. We ended up staying with my parents for three months. We bought a place in Florida. We ended up living in Florida for six months while I was going through the whole Peloton process. And when I got the offer, I basically was like, oh my gosh, like this is such an amazing opportunity, but I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to do this. And Chris is like, Chris looked at me and was like, Callie. And he started like tearing. He's like, Literally, I we we started dating when I was teaching fit, at a group fitness studio. That's how we originally met. And he's like, for so long, you you said you joined fitness because one day there was just a flip of a switch and you felt confident in yourself and you felt like your personality could shine. He's like, imagine what you can do for others. Imagine how many lives you can change sharing your story. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You're right. So I think it's so amazing that I have this opportunity and I'm at, and it came at the right time when I was feeling, when I came back to Florida, I kind of got away from the New York City hustle and kind of got to find myself again and my Florida self and be with my family, my parents, and be with one of my best friends. And it, it, it was the perfect timing because. Now I can show up on the platform as my authentic self. And what that means for me is even in my classes, I don't like to write notes on like stories that I need to tell. Like I even tried to once like, and I was just like, what am I doing? Like, this is not me. So I, I think it's so special that I love my work because I can show up however I want and it makes it more enjoyable too. Like some people are like, how, Kelly, that's your job working out. And I'm like, I know. So that's why I have to be as authentic. That's why I have to truly tell the members when I'm working out how I am feeling so that I don't feel like I have to go in and I'm forced to act a certain way. Um, so that's the way that I've found teaching. And just if something's hard for me, I'm literally like, you guys, you guys I'm, I'm dying. This is hard. Please stay with me because it makes it more enjoyable that way. When you first started on the platform, did you feel like you had to show up a certain way at the get-go? Oh my gosh, for sure. I mean, I work with so many incredible people who have such an amazing story and I feel like they have it all figured out. But the truth is no one truly has it figured out. And I felt like I needed to this is what I stand for. This is, you know, this is my tagline. You know, you feel that pressure. And then initially I would show up and like, I would get so nervous before class. And I still, you know, I still even do because, you know, being nervous is a good sign that you care. But I think now a year in, I think it takes that long that I can literally go in and I I have a sense of, you know, what my mission is, what I want to do and how, you know, members react to it. And it's it's something that's truly so, so special. And even though it's taken a year to get here, I'm so thankful to be here, even though it, it took it took a year for me to like finally settle in. But I think that's the whole process of it. I would say that a year isn't that long at all. And I would also then follow that up by asking, what is your mission? Truly to show people that moving your body is not just... So many people look at it like I. some people, you know, when they hear my Peloton check, they come up to me and they're like, oh, 
oh gosh, I ate this today. This is that many calories. I'm like, that's not the point. That's not the point. It's like you should move your body so that you can show up in all different aspects of your life. And you can, that is your you time where you can truly work on your self-esteem. You can see small little building blocks that you're doing push-ups on your knees and then one day you can finally do push-ups and that all spills over into your life and your relationships. And I, I feel like my life truly came into fruition when I found strength training and when I found my confidence. Like my relationship with Chris came, I would have never, you know, I feel like Chris came at a time when I was confident in myself and I didn't, you know, doubt any bit of feelings he had for me, any feelings I had for myself or any feelings I had for him. You know, it came at the perfect time. And I just want to show others that building strength can truly, truly change your life from the inside out. I know that recently it was your one year wedding anniversary and you shared that he was an hour late on your second date. True or false? That's true. <laughs> I don't know if I would have stayed, Callie. I know. I know. But like, I just felt in my gut and also Chris is just so like, you could tell like, you know, in his text messages, he's like, I'm so sorry because there was a race happening. It was coming from Brooklyn. And you know how they closed down every single street. So he was in a cab coming over to the East Village. It was at this place called Feast, which is closed now, I believe. But and I sat down and I was like, oh, gosh. And he's like, I'm going to be a little late. Every 10 minutes. I'm so sorry. And then he's like, you can leave and never talk to me again. I'm so sorry. He ended up getting out of the cab, taking the train, walking from Union Square to there. And I also was like, I can't leave now. I literally got a water. I got a coffee. Like, there's a menu sitting out for him. Like, uh, the, you know, I got to be to the waiter. Someone's coming. I promise. And he ended up showing up. And then, yeah. And then here we are. Do you feel as though it's been a challenge for you to kind of see the uptick of both your career and build this like beautiful new chapter for you and your husband at the same time? Definitely, for sure. Um, but he he does like keep me so grounded, and I do like to keep my work and well, honestly, I was gonna say I like to keep them separate. But yet again, I'm so oh, I feel like I like overshare on Instagram and everything. Like so many people know so many things about my life. But yet again, like that <laughs> that's just me being authentic. You know, like I feel like. For me, I just need like need to share everything just because that's how I'm feeling in the moment and this is what's going on in my life and this is what you should know. But it's so rewarding too because Chris, we started dating when I was I was teaching at 5 a.m. in the morning. So I would wake up at 3.20 and four to five times a week. And then like I would go home, I would take a nap, maybe go to Trader Joe's, you know, the deal. And then I would go back and I would teach later. And like Chris saw this like whole transformation of where I'm at now. So it's also so rewarding that we're at this place where I'm like, wow. And we like sometimes sit down and we're like, wow, remember when I was doing that? Remember when you were doing that? Like it's so cool and we're so thankful. And it's nice that we definitely like keep each other grounded. And I have my family to keep me grounded too. And just finding those friends who have been with me from the beginning to be like, it, to keep me, <laughs> you know, I know like Peloton is so well known to people. So like even yesterday I was at the dog park and I'm just like chilling, like, Charlie, come here. And then someone comes to me, is like, wait, are you Callie? And I'm like, yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot him. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my gosh, they probably see me in the worst like outfit. That's, you know, I'm like, oh gosh, but I forget. <laughs> but I also like, you know, I, I, I like being very relatable in that sort of way. So was it an adjustment for you to get more open to sharing so much of yourself on social? And then the follow-up to that question is, have you had a moment where you thought, like, I need to completely retreat from this? Because I know that I have. Was there a moment? I honestly feel like when, again, it's going to go back to my confidence, when I no longer, you know, allowed other people's opinions to affect me, I truly would 
and even now, like I post stuff and I like don't even look back. Like, <laughs> like people, you know, send me messages and like I sometimes like don't even look at them. Like I post and then I get on with my day. And I think that's the best way to do it. Sometimes we get so sucked into this like social media that's not reality, you know. And even though I do share so much, there's also so much that I don't share. Um, so I think it's you know I'm trying to think of if there was a a switch. I think I just started going for it. And I think that's when actually people just started relating to me a little bit more. And, and, you know, we've started finding things in common. People forget. They see like some sort of curated timeline that you've put out for your day. And there's so much that's happening that isn't there. Yes. Like there's so much going on in our lives that it's also like, why would I share that with people? You know? And I do try to, I do try to be as authentic as possible. Um, and show what's happening in my life. But yet again, it's like, you don't know what happened during those three hours. You don't know the phone call that I had with one of my siblings that I'm in a bad mood from. And like, I can't fall asleep because of it. You know, like that, those little things that I'm sure that would make me more relatable. But yet again, it's like, I just need to, I need a moment to process all of that before I tell other people, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's a time where I posted something and I like retracted it. I don't think, I mean, probably, but I don't think it was anything too big of a deal where <laughs> I remember. A year now into your journey at Peloton, what would you say has been uh, one of the biggest hurdles for you so far? Well, one was making the decision to move back here because I think I think New York truly sucks you in. And then you're like, I'm never going to leave this place. And then COVID happened and you're kind of like, okay, okay, this is a major hurdle. What do I do now? And like I made the decision to go back to Florida and I, I told myself I would never live back there again. But then there was just something pulling me back and my poor husband, he was like, what? He's from Pennsylvania. He's like, we're moving to Florida. What? And so like I dragged him down there and then like we created this like wonderful life together and I was like visioning, you know, us having kids down there and like being close with my family again and all this stuff. And then this job opportunity came and like I could not pass it up whatsoever. So it was also making the decision to like, wow, I, I thought that I like got out of New York and it was such a hard decision. And now I have to go back and I already kind of made some roots here. I think that was like one of the biggest hurdles. And I, of course, miss Florida so, so much, but I'm also so young and I have so much life to live. And I knew that if I didn't take this opportunity, I would literally look back and regret it for the rest of my life, for the rest of my life. I, it would literally, like, I would go to bed at night and be like, what did I do? And I'm so happy that we chose to, you know, move back here. And it's been a wonderful experience. Um, so that was, you know, the first one when this initially started. The second one, I would say, hmm, you do get so much the members are all so wonderful, but it's also, you know, when I, when I first started, I think it was, I started to creep back into that having to be perfect and having to say certain things and have to be liked. And I think that's what makes Peloton so special is that there is an instructor for every single person, the ma no matter what you're feeling today, um, you know, uh, the music you like, the type of class you want to take. And so I think it was a hard pill to swallow at first because, you know, I would read things and be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, that's what they think. And I would like try to change myself. And then I would go at like the next class, I would try to change myself. And then I would be like, what am I doing? I, I'm sinking into like my young, like, you know, when I, how I was in my, you know, early and mid twenties, like, what am I doing? And so I think that was the biggest hurdle. And here we are again, a year later. And that did, that stuff doesn't even phase me. I'm just, you know. Yeah. And you clearly surround yourself with a lot of people who have dealt with the same thing when it comes to not taking some of this feedback. So personally, what would you say some of the best advice has been for you to help get over that specific hurdle? It's funny. My, my husband's always like, Callie, you literally read 10 good things about you and you're not focusing on that. You're literally focusing on the one bad thing. I'm like, you're so right. So it, it, 
it's so funny because, you know, people do say I have this like sunshine energy and like so happy all the time, but I'm like, oh gosh, those, those do get to you. So I would say the best advice I would have is honestly not, not even to look at the stuff. Sometimes you're like out looking for it, you know, you're, which is why do we do that to ourselves? We like want to know what people are saying. Who cares? Who cares? You know, I can say that as many times, I can say that so many times, but yet again, we are human. We are human. And so no matter how confident I'm feeling about myself, no matter how happy I am with myself at the moment, we're always, we're always going to, you know, we, we are humans, we have emotions and it's normal. And I think that's, that's the most important thing too. Everyone, everyone deals with these emotions. So it's also like, feel sad. Yes. But also, also do not let that ruin your day. You have so many un- other wonderful things happening for you. You got pumpkin in your coffee. You're going to Trader Joe's later. Like, let's be honest, you can carry three bags instead of two bags. <laughs> three bags is a big undertaking. Oh my gosh, it really is. Like even sometimes I'm like, why did I do this? Why did I do this? Like my biceps, I have, they're burning. I have sweat (laughs) dripping down my back, but it's worth it. You know, it's It's worth it. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. You know, to the one more note on the, the negative talk, negative moments thing. I remember when I sat down with Tunde, one of the times that she was on the show and she said, uh, when she started at Peloton, that someone gave her the advice saying and asking her a question. And the question was, would you ever write something nasty on someone's Instagram? And Tunde was like, no, why would I do that? And the person asked her again, like, would you ever write something nasty on somebody's Instagram? And Tunde was like, no. And this person said to her, well, then why would you ever take something that someone that would do that would say to you to heart? Yes, that is such a good point. You even said it earlier when you were talking about the circle of individuals that you surrounded yourself with when dance was such a big part of your life and how the way that they were speaking to themselves and about others didn't really influence you well. Like just because these people may may not be around you in person doesn't mean that we can't be influenced by what we're seeing, of course, on social. So be smart about who you're letting into your space and what you're doing with that information in your space and surrounding yourself to the best of your ability with the best things that you can. Absolutely. I also heard one thing. Oh gosh, I forget which instructor has said it before, but they're saying, you know, what if, what if we post something and we lose followers and, and, you know, these people no longer want to take our classes. They no longer, you know, relate to us or, you know, they're mad at us for some reason. And they said, well, you know what? Those people were never on your side. They were never part of your community, if that's the case. Like they're, you know, and I was like, that's so true. They were, they were never meant to be there. They were never meant to be in your comment section writing that mean thing about you, you know? So I'm like, you're right. You're, you're, you're people who want to, who are on your side, who are rooting for you are going to be there for you. So why even let, you know, the ones who somehow get in and that affect your entire day? Yeah, totally. Totally. Again, a year back in New York area, how does it feel now compared to how it felt when you had all that anxiety about taking the job in the first place? Oh gosh, so much better because when I, so I had to go from Florida to New York to audition and I had to quarantine for two weeks. And so I was quarantining literally like by Herald Square and I went into, I've never had, like, I started feeling homesick. I would literally, cause there were just, Herald Square was, I felt unsafe. I've never mm. seen it the way it was. And this was in August of 2020. And I was terrified and I had to stay in that hotel room for two weeks. And I remember calling my parents and crying and being like, what did I do? Like, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could live back here. This is this is not the New York that I know, um, and you know, <laughs> my parents are so like, but you know, they like love me. They love me living by them, but also they like know that they always pushed us to go after our dreams, and you know, all of that. So my dad was like, "Just come home, just come home. It's it's fine." And I was like, "I was like, Dad, what?" And like, that's not even an option. Like, I'm going to stay, but like, this is so hard. I don't know if like this is the New York that I know. And so I ended up staying. Chris actually came and surprised me and stayed with me for a few days just to calm my nerves a little bit. And I auditioned. I'm so happy that I stayed and had my my audition. And then, yeah. 
Where were you when you found out that you were part of everything? I was in Florida in my house and it was, you know, I I had a, I had a feeling like it was such a long, you know, everyone's process is all different lengths of time based on what they need at the moment. Um, so mine was super, super long. And so I remember when I would be waiting, I would check my email every single day, check my phone every second. Like I was just paralyzed. I couldn't do anything else. But yet again, I was so happy with where I was at that I I was like, you know what? I also think that's what made me honestly get through the process because I kind of had like a carefree, like, I'm also so happy with what I'm doing now. So if I don't get it, it's okay. But I think just not knowing, living in a state of, am I going to stay here? Like I would decorate an entire room and then be like, what am I doing? I may move. Like what's happening? So Chris always tells this story, how he would see me. I would, to get my mind off things, I would listen to Gabrielle Bernstein, The Universe Has Your Back, in my ears, and I would have these like hand weights, and like I would literally have the the armband on, you know, with my phone hooked in, and I would be walking. He said one day he looked outside, and there's this lady with a high blonde ponytail, and I'm literally like with my arms swinging back and forth, like fast walking. And Chris looks out the window. He said, "What is she?" doing it, a double take. And he's like, yeah, remember when you used to go on those walks? I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. I would just go on these walks just to clear my head and truly just know that, you know, the Gabrielle Bernstein books, they really helped. I was like, the universe does have my back. Whatever happens, it's like, you know, meant to be. Truly. I mean, I think we can all relate to having these moments where we're like constantly checking our inbox. We're constantly waiting for the thing. But to go back to what you reiterated was your perspective. You were like, yes, I really want this, but also I have so much good in my life. So it's that idea that, you know, just like Gabrielle says, like the universe has your back. So what is meant to happen will happen. Easier said than done sometimes to accept that mentality. But when you do, it just makes things a little lighter, you know? Yes. Like sometimes we just stress out about things a little too much. I think that's like also my my saying that I say in class is BYOE, bring your own energy, because we always have things happen to us. And I, I did hear someone, I forget where I heard it, but I heard we all have things happen to us, but it's what we do with those things that happen to us. Our next step, are we going to decide to let that ruin our entire day? Or are we just going to go with the flow, let let it affect us a little bit, You know, have it on our mind, but not completely change you know, our energy and, you know, you always have, you have two paths. You can go down the path where you're just sad and negative, or you can choose to see the bright side of things and know that either way you're going to get through it because we always do. We always do. And it sucks in the moment. And then you always look back and you're like, okay, I did that. Okay. Perfect. I did that. And that prepares you for and informs what you do going forward. You can take those experiences and use them to your benefit, but you have to make that choice that that's exactly how you're going to utilize the experience. When someone comes to your Instagram page, again, they see someone with over 200,000 followers, their fitness BFF. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you, Callie? Mm, I see someone who is goofy, (laughs) which I haven't, you know, when I was younger, people used to say I was weird. And then I lost that, that bit of me that made me weird. And I try to conform and try to be like everyone else. And so now when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm, I see myself as I am. I'm this tall, like, you know, I used you know, I used to not wear heels because I was so tall. Like how that's so not okay. Oh my like God. I used to make myself smaller, you know, I used to hide in the back in dance class and my dance teachers would say, what are you doing? You need to get in the front. And I wouldn't get in the front because I was so afraid of my other friends in class thinking that I had like an ego standing front and center. Like, what? Like that's, and I'm like, these people know you, Callie. Like, why would you ever, why would you ever think that these people would, you know? So I'm so happy that I now look in the mirror and I don't care what anyone else thinks. I know who I am and I, I love who I am. And for a long time, I didn't love who I was. I wanted to change what I looked like. I wanted to be someone I wasn't. I wanted to conform to 
I saw other people's success and thought that was going to be my way of success. And I think now looking at myself in the mirror, I'm like, okay, I see this confident gal who loves Trader Joe's, who it knows that there's definitely going to be some hurdles in life and we're going to get through them. And yeah. And yeah. And yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm like just so happy that we were able to make this happen. My final question for you right now, my friend, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice. Let's go back to your dance era, looking back at the girl who feels all sorts of unsure in her body and lacking a little bit of that self-confidence. You have an opportunity to offer her one piece of advice back at that hurdle moment right now. What do you tell her? You have so much to offer. That is what makes you you. So stand in that. There is no other you. So stand in that space, take up that space, and own that space because there's never going to be another Cali. And so be Cali. <laughs> be her. Bigger. <laughs> I love it. Callie, I'm so happy that we were able to make this happen. How do the hurdlers follow along with you if they don't just yet? How do they keep up with you? Give us your details. Ooh, let's see. You can follow me on Instagram at Callie Gullickson, C-A-L-L-I-E-G-U-L-L-I-C-K-S-O-N. Um, same thing on TikTok. Um, let's see. I have a YouTube I think you can just search my name. I'm new to it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> who knows? Um, but yeah, that's about it. And of and, course, take classes on the Peloton. And of course, yes, on Peloton, I teach strength classes, cardio classes, and bike boot camp, baby. We love it. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.